This is Southern Tier Close-Up on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. This is the Southern Tier Close-Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of this station. Joining me from the outer regions of the universe, otherwise known as Vestal, Andrew Desker, the director of the Copernic Observatory and Science Center. Hey, Drew, how you doing? Oh, doing great. Doing great. You know, uh, nothing that uh, a little uh, a good-powered uh, snowblower uh, can't handle here. So, uh. <laughs> That's a whole other story. I'm going to yeah. be buying one of those for the husband, it looks like. But, yeah, uh, yep. we, we had a little little one that just doesn't like even the smallest amount of snow, it seems. But, but yeah. I, I choose to live here in the in the triple cities, so um, yeah. that's right. It's part it's part of the deal. Um, yeah. Plus the observatory up there, um, you know, where observatories go. Yeah. <laughs> An Underwood yeah, we, Road out in Vestal. That's out there. Yeah, it it is, and uh, and we get more than our share of uh, snow and wind when it's uh, when it's clear out there. I tell you, there's nothing nothing better. We've we've had a good run, other than the the past week. You know, mm-hmm. earlier this week, because this is airing on the weekend, but um, earlier in the week with, with a little blast of, yeah, this is what we normally get. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unlike last year, this is more than what we usually get. Yeah. Uh, weather is what weather does. But it, we've had some pretty nice, clear nights that you must have been just absolutely loving. Unfortunately, we've had cloud cover for the, the full moon that was just this week. Yeah, well, it's you know, uh, you know, right now actually we're sort of in a bit of our uh, quieter time uh, through January and February. Copernic, uh, we really typically we're not in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, we usually only have like one you know one event uh, uh, a month as far as you know or being open to the public per se. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, the pandemic has certainly uh, made us even even think that is a is a, is a little much. But uh, but yet. We're still planning for um, for late into next month and uh, through the through the spring and the and the summer actually already. So uh, we uh, we are we are bu- busy little bees up there. So what do you do in when it's this kind of stuff where you say it's once a month? What what takes up the time of the people at Copernic? You're, are, are you a research facility? Do you do any of observing for the you know general science community for you know doing papers and stuff like that? What do you guys do when you're not? having like little events for the public to learn all sorts of stuff but we're not we're not officially a research facility but uh we do have some research grade telescopes and we have a uh, a really fantastic uh, astronomy club the uh, copernic Astro- uh, astronomical society and uh among the things they do there is uh, besides looking you know through the telescopes at the night sky they you know we do a lot of imaging actually our biggest telescope the kresge 20-inch telescope is dedicated ex- exclusively for uh, imaging, and we've got a, a wonderful uh, uh, high-resolution uh, camera on there. And some of our some of our images have been used uh, in you know in research papers, in textbooks. A couple of years ago, the Harvard Smithsonian Institute in Cambridge asked us for some of our images of a supernova that we had taken uh, oh. a number of years ago. So you know, so that's there's that. Uh, but Copernicus is more than just three telescopes on the top of a hill. We are. Uh, STEM education facility. So, we are actually planning, believe it or not, for our summer camps. Uh, uh, we actually, uh, among the the, the offerings uh, for our summer camps, our summer camps are actually aimed at at the students that are like entering second grade uh, through twelfth grade. But uh, uh, one of the camps we have is called uh, Welcome Aboard the ISS, and uh, so kids will learn uh, what it takes to become an astronaut, what kind of training they go through, what kind of work they do on the ISS. But we actually have a a very, very special opportunity to have our 
students talk to an astronaut as they're flying by this, uh, the southern tier uh, using our ham radio station that we have up there. So uh, the students get to ask their questions, and uh, the astronaut will uh, will respond. So, uh, I mean, that's sort of a very rare uh, thing for, uh, for for school kids to do. Uh, uh, we've got, uh, we'll have a program on um, where middle school uh, kids will get to learn about virtual reality and augmented reality and actually create their own um, VR and AR games. Uh, we've got another uh, camp where uh, students will build a payload for a high-altitude balloon that will go up to 20 miles high, wow. uh, over 100,000 feet. And, well, what, uh, what would you take up that high and why? <laughs> well, we, well we always take up cameras, so okay. uh, we, we always take pictures of, uh, of what we're seeing up there. But then we'll take uh, various uh, experiments. Uh, one year we had um, uh, uh, a bottle with some water in it to, uh, with a camera on it to look at the triple point. When you get up into a, a near-vacuum situation, uh, water can be both a, a gas, a liquid, and a solid all at the same time. So we were sort of doing some observing of that. Uh, we've also sent up experiments where using a with ham radio, what they call slow-scan television, that they... Uh, uh, we'll take pictures and then actually transmit them back to us at Copernic. So uh, it's all learning the process sort of project management, uh, dealing with the FAA, and then uh, uh, we're, we're tracking it through its flight, and then uh, we send a recovery team out to uh, to go and collect it. Do you have ever, ever had anybody that called uh, some of the emergency services and think they were seeing a UFO when you guys were having any of these experiments? Not yet. <laughs> And I have to say the word yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you know but, what? Uh, I find this kind of interesting when you're talking about the ISS and communicating with mm-hmm. the you know uh, astronauts and everything. It just seems kind of antiquated that you're using ham radio with all the 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 progress in technology. Ham radio is is not exactly the newest technology, and that's still. What is being used? I know Civil Air Patrol uses ham, and it's still, you know, old, reliable, and it's not outdated yet. Well, it's that. Well, that's the thing is, is radio is radio, and um, you know, ham radio. Um, actually, I've been a ham for over over fifty years. Well, that's a whole other um, story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, but no, actually, the the ranks of ham radio operators are are growing, and they're doing some just fantastic uh, work in in exploring new technologies. Uh, but also providing emergency communication. I'm, I'm assuming right now that out in the Pacific, uh, with that yeah. uh, uh, the volcano that's basically wiped out communication to Tonga, you know, the, the island out there, that uh, ultimately hams are providing uh, uh, very necessary communication. Until, right. Uh, it's my understanding there was like one undersea cable that carried right. Internet and cell and all the other communication, unless somebody had a satellite phone or, as you mentioned, ham, then there was no, no way of communicating. Right. And one, of the, one of the other things we, you know, us hams tend to think of ourselves as, as the, you know, the, the quintessential DIYer. You know, we like to make stuff. And, and, and part of what, you know, uh, using ham radio uh, we, up at Copernic, we actually, you know, get the kids to, to realize that, look, you can get your ham license. You can start playing around with this stuff. You can start communicating uh, to people around the world uh, using some pretty uh, neat technology. And it's not just uh, uh, Spark Gap <laughs> from, from way back. So, uh, but anyway, you know, getting back to, you know, what, what are we doing? Um, you know, we, we've, uh, I believe it actually, you know, we, we hope to be able to start our Friday night program uh, in March again. Uh, every Friday night from March to mid-December, we always offer a public program of 
some aspect of science and technology, and, and then afterwards, if, the, if it's clear, we, we open up our domes and people can look at the night sky through our telescopes. Uh, we also offer a, a family STEM hour. So even before the program, uh, families can come up and, and um, they might do some Lego robotics one, you know, one month. They, they might do some uh, lights and lasers uh, in the next month. And um, so it's just trying to get kids involved and in, in, in seeing STEM as a, a, a fun place to, to play in. And ultimately, hopefully, lead them into a you know, possibly a STEM career. As, um, as far as the whole celestial part of this, things have been mm-hmm. happening this past year that have got to be super exciting for people like you. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. that, that super telescope thing that they're you know starting to unfold and the web, yeah. And when things are going to start coming back with that, the 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 rover out on Mars that's going on, mm-hmm. and I guess there's an asteroid that's supposed to be coming pretty close to Earth like any day now. It, it, th- yeah, actually, is... I think it's supposed to pass uh, later today. You know, uh, later well later this week, um, uh, or earlier this week at this point. Uh, but uh, no, it won't be. Uh, it won't be anywhere near us. <laughs> but yeah, it's you know, so we're always keeping to, on top of that. So you know, we always are looking for opportunities to um, uh, to engage the public. We um, you know, whenever there's a comet or a, a meteor shower, if it's clear, we will try to. And we've been doing a live streaming. Uh, uh, of those events, we were watching the uh, the James Webb Telescope uh, you know, go through its commissioning. It's now in it, you know, it's now it's on its way to uh, a plate uh, what they call the the second Lagrange point, where it'll actually be able to uh, you know, look deep into you know into the early universe. And uh, it's the biggest telescope that we've ever been able to put out into space. So we'll look forward to um, seeing those images when 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 those come back. And uh, but you know coming up, uh, you know there's. Uh, there's a lunar eclipse that'll come up on May 15th, and uh, if you ever if you haven't seen that, that's a, it's a it's it's really neat to watch. I, I in particular, you know, the thing, the thing about a full moon is it's nice. It's in, in a sense it's nice and bright, but it also wipes out basically the rest of the sky. It's so bright that you know, more, other than just the really bright stars, you really don't uh, you really don't see much. However, when it finally goes into eclipse, all of a sudden. The Milky Way will pop up, you know, and uh, because the the moon is not, uh, you know, although you can see it, you know, uh, you, they call that blood, blood moon, where they, you know, basically you're seeing the light refracted through uh, the Earth's atmosphere that's lighting it up, but it it knocks down the light sufficiently so that the rest of the night sky pops out, and uh, so we'll be open, uh, we'll be open for that in uh, in May. We're actually doing a blood drive uh, on February 18th, as uh, as many of you know, uh, the blood supplies are just super critically low. They haven't been this low in, in decades. Right. And uh, so Copernic is going to open up our doors and um, invite people to come up and, and donate. With any luck, we'll actually have our winter star party on February 19th, which is uh, uh, Copernic's four, 549th birthday uh, on that Saturday. I'm trying to think. We've got a race to the stars, uh, 5K in, in, in April 30th. That will be, uh, be coming up. And uh, and then we'll be doing Rocket Fest in uh, either May or June. We're not trying to figure out exactly how we're going to do that, but uh, that's where, right. where families come up and build those Estes rockets and uh, and launch them. Well, so, things, um, as with other nonprofits and, and things that are museums and things that the public comes and visit, things, the situation has been tenuous, mm. <laughs> at the very least, for going on three years now. But I thought it was interesting, one of the last times that we talked, you mentioned that there were a lot of people outside of the core Broome County, Cuyahoga County, Southern Tier 
Twin Tiers area that all of a sudden, because everyone was spending so much time online and such, they were discovering Copernic and the streaming and other stuff that had usually been, just been in-house being shared with a, a wider audience. Has that audience stuck around over these oh. past m- months with the changing oh. things, with things getting back out into the public and then being shut down again and then back out in the public? No, I, absolutely. And actually, they, the the live stream has, has really been a, a nice feature for us it's given us an opportunity to reach out to uh, people you know further afield than just the southern tier as as, you know as you mentioned and uh, yeah right now i think we're up over 2800 subscribers on our youtube channel and and literally people from people around the world and and they just uh, really enjoy you know the 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 programming especially when uh, our jeremy cardi is our we call him our live stream astronomer does just a fantastic job of engaging the public while he's uh, you know got the cameras on and, and talking about what's going on, talks a little bit of the, the basics behind the science, but then can dive deep into it and uh, answers questions on the uh, on the YouTube chat. And uh, we've actually had people say that they enjoy our live streams better than some some of the larger observatories. Wow! So uh, it's nice to know that what we're offering is you know you know has some value for people, and you know and hopefully people you know walk away with a little more knowledge than they, they did uh, you know prior. Tuning in. Well, speaking of added value, it does cost to keep an observatory going and get have the nice equipment and be able to uh, show things to the public. And especially when you have a little bit of a cut in the number of people coming through the doors and admission and things like that. How can people help out this gem of our community and find out more about the programs that are going on with Copernic? Well, I mean, there's, there's a number of ways. Obviously, donations are always uh, always welcome, uh, you know, especially this time of year when we're otherwise not uh, able to uh, offer many programs. I mean, we are offering some school field trips. We are booking some of those field trips, but uh, other ways are actually to join Copernic as a member. What's Copernic belongs to what's called the Consortium of other uh, of Science Centers, called the ASTC, Association of Science and Technology Centers. And with your Copernic membership, you can get into over 350 other science centers for free. So you go to, to, you know, to Robertson, you could go to the uh, Science Center up in Ithaca, or the Museum of Science and Technology in Syracuse, or the Franklin Institute down in Philly, or the Intrepid down in New York City. The 350 of these places that you could literally walk in for free, and in, in some cases, uh, like a family of four, just the, your one year, uh, a one-year family membership at Copernic is cheaper than a one day at the um, at the Franklin Institute for oh. a family of four. So that's so, a good um, value. Yeah, absolutely. Plus, you know, we're, we do look for uh, adult volunteers. We the uh, astronomy club has been certainly helpful, but it's always nice to have you know, people from the public with various skills that would offer their skills in. Um, you know, either you know, office work or, or building work or, or acting as a docent, you know, when we reopen, a uh, number of ways of, of uh, getting connected there. And the best way to find you is online? Yeah, at uh, www.copernic, and it's K-O-P-E-R-N-I-K dot O-R-G. And um, uh, or you can just, just do a you go to your favorite search engine and then... Uh, Type in Copernic Observatory. It'll it'll spell it'll correct the spelling for you and uh, <laughs> and bring you to us. And um, this way, also you'll keep on top of uh, what's going on. You know, uh, up at Copernic. All right. Well, thank you so much for being my guest. Oh, always a pleasure, Kathy. Thanks so much. This has been the Southern Tier Close Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of this station. This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. I'm Kathy White for the Southern Tier Close Up. Hey, this is Lisa Smith.